What is the Xbox expansion pass? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, hello. Greetings. I am 343 Guilty Spark, monitor of Installation 04. Greetings to all of you reclaimers here on Xbox Expansion Pass. <laughs> Xbox Expansion. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 145 of the Xbox Expansion Pass recorded on Saturday, September 10th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we are fortunate to welcome Sean Capri on from the Xbox Drive to discuss the latest debates between Xbox and PlayStation regarding Activision. Halo Infinite's upheaval continues to be ongoing, and there's new Xbox hardware on the horizon. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, I extend words of kindness to all of you who reached out to me, offering me uh, well wishes and get well soon as I was under the weather with the Rona, of course. Uh, so appreciative to get so many of those messages. And I am doubly appreciative to have Sean Capri with me here today uh, to help me kind of carry the load of this episode. Hello, Sean Capri. Luke Lore, I'm so glad to hear you're um, you're alive. You're with us, man. You you sound you sound medium, my friend. I'm here to help, dude. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. I'm not out of breath from that intro <laughs> at all. And I meant to mute before I coughed. And I'm like, nope, nope, that's staying in. Not, not going to happen. Out. No, thanks for having mm -hmm. me on, man. This is awesome. It is uh, too long in coming, of course. And I've been I had taken the last two weeks off. I had this mega episode where I was so excited to have Seamus Blackley on, and then my world just crumbled uh you know in the real world elements not in the mm -hmm. gaming space but in the real world so like i got to celebrate this big moment and then boom under the weather that's no the way fun. it goes man that's the world balancing us out right the, like right. the the best and most the biggest episode you could ever imagine takes a year to line up and then maybe take a break maybe <laughs> maybe just maybe just go horizontal for a couple weeks yeah you know just just relax it's it's humbling it's karmic there's balance and karmic big it's, time mm -hmm. that's how it goes man that's no man no, you deserve a rest, though, whether that, that's the kind of crappy part is sometimes it's not up to us when we rest. Our body tells us now's the time. Yeah, true that. True that. But uh, my wife took great care of me. I, I'm very nice back at work a little faster, I think, than should be allowed. But they, they want you back quickly. <laughs> uh, get back in that workforce. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I'm recovering well. I'm fortunate. And so uh, so here we are, man. Talks about some uh, some Xbox and some PlayStation, you know, let's do it. Well, Xbox and PlayStation back at it again, beefing in the news, if you can believe it, Sean. Can't this, believe it. <laughs> not me. No. Not this this Jim Ryan fellow running PlayStation. Uh, keeps making them money, keeps, uh, you know, cutting deals. You know, PlayStation continues to sell well, uh, but we hate him. We hate Definitely. this guy, Jim Ryan. Uh, Do you think he knows? Do you think he knows how, like, the perception of him, or is it, like, does it even register? Does he even... I 
I think he knows and couldn't care less. Yeah. Like it doesn't like it does register in the sense of like, oh, people don't like me. OK. And he just moves on with his life. I don't think yeah. he's phased in the slightest. Yeah, that may, maybe maybe more of us could take a little hint of that. Maybe certainly so bad. Well, I mean, you know, it's in this in the Twitter space. How many people how much does the Twitter space matter in terms of sales? Not that much. Apparently right? not. Yeah, not that much. If it did, I mean. Xbox would be selling gangbusters left and right thanks to their social media team, which is just top notch on point everywhere, right? I feel like they are. I do feel like that has something to do with it. Not that that's even the topic at hand at all, but I, I do think that 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 helps. I think it helps, know? certainly, mm-hmm. but I don't think the masses like as far as like the majority, like 95 sure. percent of the gaming community. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of inertia mean? coming in from behind the, the PlayStation name and and history and everything. So, you know, Absolutely. a lot for a lot even for Jim Ryan to screw up. Oh, yeah. Big time, big time. And and that's, let's talk about a few of those decisions that he's made. I think a lot of people have made a, a big to-do about $70 games versus $60 games, which to me doesn't seem to be a big deal. Game mm-hmm. Making games is expensive. However, in the past two weeks since this episode or since this show was off air, PlayStation announced that they would be uh, seeing a price hike for the PlayStation 5 in multiple economies, including Europe, Japan, and parts of North America. Uh, Sean, does that include Canada? Is the PlayStation Five mm-hmm. more expensive there now by fifty bucks? It sounds like I think it. I think it's twenty dollars here. Okay. It was. I think there was like an average that they the headlines were kind of referring to. But yeah, I think it's twenty um, Canadian dollars here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this isn't Luke. This isn't the first time, and it's very strange. And I think that it's a great topic for you to be discussing. I'm really intrigued to hear what you have to say about this because you know uh, economics and intellectual stuff. Uh, but this isn't the first time. Um, I think the timing of it is interesting that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but again, um, when the PS4 came out, I remember thinking, I'm, I'm going to hold off. I'll see I'll see what like bundles come out. And eventually I ended up getting the, the Destiny Glacier White PS4, which I adore. I think it was one of the best looking consoles ever beautiful made. Beautiful console. Yeah. But by waiting, I paid more. And I thought that's not the way this is supposed to go. And it, back then it was to do with the um, weakening Canadian dollar. Uh, relative to the American dollar. So they they made a market adjustment and it was a safer move, I would argue, then because the the Xbox was still kind of figuring out its place in mm-hmm. <laughs> in life with the Connect and with its five was it five ninety nine? Um uh, yeah four ninety nine. Four ninety nine, four nine I think five ninety nine in, in Canada. Uh so I think they had a little bit more of buffer space uh in the mm-hmm. PS4 Xbox One era. But here we find ourselves a little bit more lock and step. And they decide to make this sort of choice in select areas. So a lot to unpack here, my friend. Very odd to me that you're seeing a a price hike when there is like kind of a a worldwide recession, you know, on a couple different levels. You've got a war raging in some parts of the planet, which is affecting prices of of oil and of, you know, travel concerns, which meaning that shipping is affected in many places. Big time. Uh, You've got communities that are, are struggling to make ends meet as they try to exit out of the pandemic. Uh, which to my own experience is still very much around. Mm-hmm. And when you see a, a a unit like the PlayStation 5 that has not been selling, it's been selling extremely well, but it hasn't been winning every single month at the same way it was in the Xbox One PlayStation 4 era. When you see them elect to make their console more expensive while their competition uh, is remaining steadfast, both Nintendo and Xbox have pledged to kind of maintain price points. And you're seeing PlayStation 5 shortages. It seems odd that they are, are willing to do it. Uh, I will note that, you know, this Jim Ryan that we so often lament, 
he's doing it at a time before God of War has come out when he knows demand will will spike once again. Maybe it's the right time to do it if you have to do it. But do they have to do it? You've got a billion dollar company in Sony. It just seems just such a mixed approach on that one. It feels almost opportunistic in a way, but obviously rooted in very realistic economic realities of all of these things. But I, yeah, I, I feel like it. It's like now that now that stock is maybe coming back, they can charge really whatever they want, and it's an absolute accounting exercise. It's a bean counting type of exercise. That uh, how many lost sales uh, will they lose compared to? the dollars that they gain per unit. I feel like there's so much, again, to unpack here, even to the point of how the system was built to begin with. It seemed like it was, they might've been making 10 cents a unit, you know, mm-hmm. like just the way that it was manufactured and all put together with this uh, bleeding edge SSD has got to have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, it, it, I, in a way I'm surprised, but also not really surprised. It just didn't seem like there was a lot of meat on the bone here as far as profit margins our concerns and any anything that was going to swing negatively their way was going to force their hand a little bit. But mm-hmm. interestingly enough, you bring up Xbox and Nintendo. I think it's just maybe from a commentator's point, point of view, it's kind of nice that we've got three really different approaches here. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when you bring in the Series S into the mix here, just a second skew and significantly different price point and, and arguably significant different um, performance. In there as well. So now you've got PlayStation kind of kind of playing their position as the leader. They can do this. They can absolutely afford to do this. But mm-hmm. it's I would say more than like an, an economic hit on them. It's more of a an added um, narrative hit on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of when this may or may not add up to something more substantial than a bunch of us on podcasts talking about it. You're right. And I think their catalog affords them this leeway because they do have, in my opinion, the best first party catalog of any of the big three by far. And that's saying something. I mean, I, I, I skew more Xbox in terms of my interest, but overall there's a premium feeling that comes with a lot of Xbox for PlayStation first parties, excuse me. And when you've got that premium feeling, you can charge premium prices. Mm -hmm. It, it, it's odd because, you know, $70 games, I didn't mind it. Uh, seeing the PlayStation cost spike up, I mind that one a little bit in conjunction with the $70 games, in conjunction with the, their pricing structure for PlayStation Plus and that that top tier is really not uh, very affordable and not very wise in value versus you know Game Pass and a few of the others that are competing for subscription spaces, I would, I would argue. Um, so it's definitely a gamble. And to the point you made, we're seeing a very different approach by microsoft than we are from playstation than we are from nintendo and we're getting kind of three distinct methods or ways to go around and i'm curious to see which one will uh pay off in the end but i don't see a short-term problem here for playstation even if i find it to be a little predatory it's it feels like they're cashing in their chips right about now like they they earned a huge buffer in the last generation it does seem like they're kind of allowing that to you know, sustain them, keep them afloat, um, which makes it sound like they're drowning there. It's far from that, but hopefully you understand that the metaphor there as far as like they, they just were so far ahead with the last generation. They don't have to be perfect this time. I still think Xbox kind of has to be perfect. They don't, they don't, they can't have slip ups. I think Halo is an example of this. It's like, Ooh, that one stings more than say a, a price hike around the world. Like mm-hmm. it, you know, the, these, it, one thing is not the same for one than the other. And, 
they can definitely I'd love to know some of the backroom conversations that happened in deciding that this is the the way it was going to go. I, I feel like it might just be as simple as the demand is so high that it, it basically balances out that I think you're probably do you know right. what I mean? I think you're, just from yeah. a cost, like a supply and demand standpoint, it's not going to hurt. They'll them. have a good headline when they reduce it back down you know yeah yeah big headline but it, it, it in the short term i do think it gives an opening to xbox and i'm kind of surprised they haven't really taken i guess they just play it out that they're gonna stay the same price but it does it does allow for a move whether it's as snarky as something like here's how you share games um mm-hmm. or as something more strategic like an actual price drop another ten dollars i also mm-hmm. have to wonder um, obviously, these are global economic conditions. They would be impacting Xbox as well. They must mm-hmm. have been having similar conversations and chose to stay the course where PlayStation chose to increase the price. It makes me wonder, is that a positional play? Is it the cost of the console to manufacture? Um, is it just their long-term goals in Xbox? Like, I just, I, I feel like there's a lot there that, mm-hmm. again, those conversations are happening in both boardrooms and they had two different outcomes. I think that stuff is fascinating. I think you're absolutely right. And this tit for tat PlayStation versus Xbox in this generation, I think is going to be far more uh, in parity and lockstep with one another than in last generation where, you know, Xbox only have so many maneuvers they could make. And right. in this one, they've got two skews that they can play with. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a reduction in price on the Series S for the holiday season, like a mm. temporary price drop. Um, get that thing down to 270 You know, that's really attractive in the holiday times when people are pinching pennies. Uh, get it down to 270 bundle it, slap Fortnite on the, on the box, and, you know, any other, you know, see if these Game Pass stuff, like you get, get that Series S price down wherever you can worldwide uh, to bring people in and let them experience some of the offerings that you have on Xbox because you know whether the Activision deal goes through or not and we expect that in June of 2023 there's a lot of offering you know Bethesda in theory uh, is going to start delivering come 2023 uh, Starfield is supposed to hit you've got Redfall I mean there's in theory if we can really get this first party catalog going uh, if the more people you get in now to at least have the, the two skew or two system approach where they've got a PlayStation and an Xbox, uh, that is a big win for them going forward versus, you know, just not having anything, not getting people in at all. Yeah. Do you, how long, this is an interesting thing. Like how long is the series S going to be able to maintain its position as like a viable option? When we think about life cycles of, of consoles, I think the, the Xbox one is is technically still part of it all. You know, like when we think about mm-hmm. Halo Infinite, people are playing Halo Infinite on a 2013 Xbox yeah. one, like the connect the VCR. It's it's wild to think about. Um, so I guess from that perspective alone, the Series S is probably going to be around longer than than I imagine it. Um, because you went Series S as far as their competitive slant that they could maybe swing at this. I start to think about how the PS5 has a disc and discless version of the same capabilities. And mm-hmm. I wonder at what point does the Series X get a discless version? And it has to, to in my mind, almost coincide with a bit of the uh, farewell to the Series S, if that makes any sense. Like the Series S almost seemed like a an entry level and, and beginning of the gen play. And I'm curious on how how long it's it remains as part of the ongoing mainstay conversation when you talk about Xbox. I don't think it goes anywhere. I really don't. 
I think that the, the Xbox One it needs to be phased out sooner rather than later. Right. Um, but I think the Series S sticks around and stays in perpetuity because one of the things that Microsoft's design philosophy has allowed them to do is is build for a scalable scale. Yeah. You know, uh, element. And like I've been when I was when I was ill, I played a bit of Sea of Thieves on a Series S on a TCL monitor because I was in, you know, a, you know, a guest room isolating and it did not look anywhere near as good, but it was fully playable. Yeah. And how yeah, many people absolutely. Are, yeah. How many people are, are logging in on the cloud and playing these same games again, scaling to their device? Uh, and I think that's going to be the play. You put this in a kid's bedroom. They're not worried about fidelity and, and pixel counts and things like that. Um, that's something for the podcasters to care about and, and the yeah. adults to care about. But the kid, they just want to play Fortnite with their buddy, you know? So do you not anticipate like, and not that there's any rumors here, why don't we start it here? Um, a discless Series X, like their, their top model, but I mean, I don't know, 50 or $100 less. Um, I know yeah. that confuses, and the reason I bring up the Series S because I think that immediately confuses things with the the current two-skew lineup, but they're, I don't know, it's it's an interesting, I don't know, maybe an interesting thing to consider at least. It. I hear your your point, and it's well made. But I think it, I think the circumstances surrounding the pandemic, the distribution of, of chipsets, and uh, the the inability to get consoles out there regularly uh, has has slowed adoption in this in this generation. And so, why complicate it further? Yeah, would be would be my thought. I think if we had started no pandemic and, and chips weren't a problem, and you could have gotten consoles out there faster, maybe you'd be having a different conversation. But for the foreseeable future, I don't see a discless version. However, it would make perfect sense down the line, right? As right. They, as they create kind of the mid-gen, if it's a mid-gen refresh, I mean, the, the PS5 itself is already getting an internal rework. The latest PS5s that are coming out have a, a completely different heat sink and a few other differences. Um, which focused on weight, by the way, which I think is all part of this. Like as far as shipping goes, you think about mm. the package weight, that's definitely a consideration. It's not necessarily something to pass along to the consumer, um, but yeah, when they're shipping millions of these units around the world, you want to make it as light as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. But no, I like your idea. I just, I think the circumstances might've negated it, whereas it could have happened sooner. Otherwise, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm looking just as a, you know, things at a completely unrealistic standpoint of, um, PlayStation maybe as an unforced error here. Let's see what, what Xbox can do here. And one of those things I think is to your point, um price adjust the series s maybe there's a bundle maybe there's just again like like remember the the sad edition the xbox one Mm -hmm. s all digital clearly Um, a pilot for series s absolutely and and even just the the series s but is um getting people okay with a console doesn't have a disc drive Mm -hmm. i remember i think you and i reported on that uh, as part of the xbox drive back in the day that it, everything is just about setting expectations and they were able to do that not at a console launch at the tail end of a console just to say like this is a thing that can happen and mm-hmm. it made it okay made like the, all the questions and answers happen at a completely uncritical time in a, in a console's life cycle which allowed them to have the uh, launch with the series s but the point that i'm making really is that the the one s the all edition the all digital edition was the same thing underneath the the shell it was the yeah. same console You're like right. it wasn't so they just they just closed Old the edition. box essentially yeah. and i feel like that's that's possible here where i le- reach my limit in terms of knowledge on this on this topic is what margins are allowed when you sell a, a one with a disc in it i feel like they're a hundred dollars more and they don't cost a hundred dollars more in manufacturing so that right. would incentivize them to keep 
a disc version because people are are feeding more into the bottom line with that model i would say rather than like a a cost cutting no no disc version where you're 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 slicing a little more thin on the profit margins you're right and you're making a good point and i don't think i have the knowledge base to truly add anything further to that one but it's going to be something to watch and i would not be surprised if we see those disc or that discless version for the series x down the line yeah um you know and, and you might be something as uh calling it the series x all digital you know yeah. what I mean? and just yeah. that's all it is and and don't try and make a series y mm-hmm. or an x3 or you know what i mean like don't make it further complicated because this core. X, well they've got yeah. this core language now too which is kind of interesting well, let's open it up for that then. Let's, yeah, yeah right. look at us. New Xbox uh, hardware coming by way of new Xbox Elite 2 controllers uh, coming down the pipeline. But a stripped down version of that Elite 2 uh, called the Core is debuting in white for about 60 bucks American cheaper than it would otherwise would be. To my way of thinking, Sean, when I look at this, it's just the, the Elite 2 minus the extra uh paddles and the extra joysticks is that is that how you read it totally yeah it took me a little while at first to really understand what the heck was going on here but yes that's kind of where i land on it surprised me because i was expecting an elite three if they were going to do it so was i so it it seems odd because there have been so many build quality issues with the Mm -hmm. elite two um and i've been fortunate not to experience much of that in, in my in my way um and I'm not, you know, like a monster like Joseph Moran, who's just throwing and beating his controls totally. all the time. Have you ever mm-hmm. played with it? Like, dude, you can hear through the mic. He's just destroying that thing. Totally. Um, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I, he berates his parents with it as well. I am sure. Like he throws does. it at the door and yeah, the pieces I'm fly sure. everywhere. Lots of lots of crying uh, in mm-hmm. the background. But yeah, the Elite 2 core, it looks cool. It's white. It's uh, it's neat. It's got this Oreo effect, I think is what Ryan McCaffrey called it, because you've got some black rubberized grips on there. But it's just an elite without the extra paddles and stuff. And you can buy those separately if you want it. Yeah, I like it because it brings options to people's doorsteps. And that's a good thing. They're also opening up design labs to include elite products uh, in a few months. But I felt like this was a bit flat given that it's not an elite three. Mm. So I I want to tackle the first thing that you mentioned first here too, because personally I have been impacted by the, the build quality and remain kind of i guess a little skeptical on like what's coming it's one of the mm-hmm. things i it's hard for them to address in the initial announcement of this thing like we fixed the manufacturing you know like it's that, that's not part of the it's not on the box or anything like new and improved manufacturing right. the old stuff was not as good uh but my a button on my series uh two series elite series two um a button went uh, i noticed it primarily with um tony hawk with where you're holding the a button and he would just like start jumping on his own. I thought I was holding it down and the connection would kind of like come and go, which would allow him to jump up and down. So that was a, that was tricky. And then uh, the right bumper stopped, stopped working. And I noticed that with psychonauts too, primarily a lot of the, the power-ups were, were done with the, with the bumpers. And so I actually don't have my elite controller anymore. So I wanted to address that at the start here, just to say, I, I do have my doubts on the, on the build quality of, of all this. With all that said, I actually love this announcement and I just I do want them to say we've addressed this or there's a new and improved like manufacturer's warranty or something like that, which I think they they ended up extending uh, with the original one. But I want I want to hear that this is better than it was. And that to me would satisfy that it's not a the disappointment that it's not a series three 
and we can just kind of like move on because what else do you really need out of this out of this controller other than you know a better build quality right that's a good point and i don't know what i would do for an elite three and, and i've been using a wired controller mm -hmm. uh, the react r controller it's like 40 bucks i was sent a review unit for it was that and the turtle beach one thing. is that what that was yeah yeah, yes, Turtle Beach React mm -hmm. R. It's wired, and uh, the the real big difference is it's got uh, two back buttons. Yep, like where the paddles would be, and that's it. And I assign those to A on the right side, B on the left, and that's mm -hmm. just how that's all I really do with my elites. Yeah, is have those two paddles, and that's the difference. And I've been having a great time with this forty dollar controller. Uh, I don't need to spend one hundred and sixty dollars, one hundred and eighty dollars to to do anything because or to have the paddles, but I would. However, this is an option out there. That's all I care about is, is paddles. And I just wish that this generation had launched with paddles on the back of both both systems controllers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, though the paddles are one thing that I don't know. It comes supernaturally to not like vampires, like but like actually naturally to people um, mm -hmm. right away. But once you have it, you're like, especially for first person shooters to be able to jump and or sprint without mm -hmm. taking your hands off the thumbsticks or pressing them down like the the paddles are lovely in that sense and i'm a bit of a simpleton mo more often than not but especially with the paddles um that's essentially all i all i left them to and i really do miss that i but i do love this on a number of fronts i think that it, it somehow manages to allow microsoft to to dance along this line of a premium product but at a at an affordable price, um, definitely compared to the original series elite where it comes with everything. It gives you at least people the opportunity to hold that controller and get to know it without being totally terrified by the price point, which is like, like close to like a switch. <laughs> like it's just like, mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's really, it's really for the top tier. So, um, but it's a great controller and people should get their hands on it. I think, I think it also allows for, if you have one, then you don't need all of those extra little bits. You can just kind of like swap them back and forth. Um, and it provides an option for that as well. And third is the timing of it is right after we get to hear about this PlayStation controller that did not get a price. And I just mm -hmm. think that there's, you know, just as we were talking about all these, these different narrative knocks over in PlayStation land, there's a few positives in, in Xbox land. Just like, it's like a counterpunch. So mm -hmm. I'll be very interested to see where Sony lands on their price point for their um, answer to the Elite controller. And it just mm -hmm. seems like um, Xbox was kind of anticipating that. And they're like, well, we'll just have a cheaper one and establish this core messaging, this core lineup as mm -hmm. maybe something that we can expect more of in the future, where it's just the a quality product, but not with all the extras and somehow makes the everyday gamer feel like they've got access to some of the best equipment out there. I think you're really onto something with the idea of core being a marketing point that they're going to use going forward. Uh, I, I, I would expect to see a series X core. Now right. that you said it, like you, you've put this in my mind and now I can see it happen. Like now I see it. You know? Yeah. Now I'm glad we recorded it. Cause we'll, you know, we'll have a Sean was right moment and, and here it Sean is. Was, hashtag it. I'll hashtag, hashtag Sean definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned the narrative knocks that are coming, uh, Sony's way. We've got another one, unfortunately, uh, Sean to have to bring up here. And this one has to do a great deal with the Activision blizzard deal and kind of the spatting back and forth between 
uh, Xbox and PlayStation. And in this case, this one felt odd. And we had several people write in about it. So bear with me while I read a little bit of copy, uh, which isn't something I typically do as much. But uh, this one was interesting because Xbox boss Phil Spencer noted that Call of Duty games will remain on PlayStation platforms for at least several more years after Activision's current contract with Sony expires. PlayStation CEO Jim Ryan came out calling that offer inadequate. And this is what's interesting. He was uh, making a statement to GamesIndustry.biz and Jim Ryan stated that he didn't intend to comment on it uh, on any of this business until Phil Spencer brought it into a public forum. And just for him to drop Phil Spencer's name alone seemed to alter, I think, the professionality Mm -hmm. of the the approach. It really kind of stuck in my craw a little bit differently. And I grant to any listener that I am hosting an Xbox show. So, so hold me accountable there. Now, Jim Ryan said specifically, quote, Microsoft has only offered for, for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement, agreement between Activision and Sony ends. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the impact on our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience, and Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle, end quote. Now, this one stuck out. We had several people write in on this one, Sean. Rune Talvik said, with all the exclusive content that Sony uh, has and them literally blocking games from being on other consoles like Xbox in particular, what do you make of Jim Ryan's recent comments? Hypocritical? Do you feel he made some good points? Is there gray area in the middle here? Sean, what was your take? I think he's doing whatever it takes to slow down or even maybe even try to disrupt this deal as much as possible. Like, and I, and I can't fault him for that. It does put everything out into the open, which is nasty. And I don't like it. I'm, I'm right alongside with you. Uh, it does feel unprofessional. It feels like it's, it's not, I, I tweeted like I, I, it's not the PlayStation I like watching. Mm-hmm. This is a whiny, desperate PlayStation and pl- they don't have to be. They're very competent. And I, I do think that call of duty obviously has a, a massive impact on Console gaming on PlayStation. It's a huge reason that Call of Duty went to PlayStation to be the home um, back in the last generation. Like, there's a lot at stake here, definitely. Um, But I really dislike the way that this is being handled. I think it fuels the already disgusting and pointless console wars at a at the highest level. Like, there's nobody Mm -hmm. else. It's 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 Jim Ryan Um, and inadequate to. To what? To what standard? To what degree? Like, is it? Is he? I'm trying to. I'm trying to find what I'm missing here because my immediate reaction is just like, give me a break. But like, is he? Is he trying to stand up for his own ecosystem? His like for players in PlayStation to to kind of like start almost like a war cry. You know, mm-hmm. they're not doing enough for us, and I'm. I will fight for you. It sounds. It. It feels very political. And the sad thing is when we get into that kind of sphere is that nobody is wrong. It's black and white. There's no middle ground to be found and it gets nasty really, really quickly. So I just, I don't, yeah, I I don't like it, but that's kind of my high level take on it, I guess. I I thought about the same thing. He's doing his job in trying to disrupt this deal and, and do what's best for the PlayStation brand. But I'd never once have gotten the feeling that, that Jim Ryan is doing what's best for PlayStation gamers. 
Yeah. Uh, which is, which is a stark contrast to the way we evangelize Phil Spencer. We always feel, seem to feel like he's doing what's, what's right by us. And that goes back to their very good social messaging and, and whatnot. But, you know, I look at a lot of Jim Ryan's decisions, you know, think about horizon. Remember when horizon was not going to be on PS five, if you had it on PS four, uh, there's something a matter of like, you know, you'd have to buy both versions if you wanted to, we believe in places. generations. Yeah, we believe in generations is exactly right. And then like, all right, well, we'll do it for this one, but not not this next one. And just a lot of that very strange, I felt anti-consumer messaging. And then to see the way that that uh, he was making comments about three years isn't good enough. And I'm thinking three years in the gaming industry is a very long time. It's a lifetime. For That's a three games. That's probably, I mean, or, or maybe two games. I think we're, we're hearing it's not going to be a yearly um, entry, perhaps yeah. anymore. But yeah. Three years is a lot. Three years is a whole lot. And you have to think what acquisitions could either company make in that time? What new franchises might come about? I mean, that's a lot of time there. I felt like that was a very generous thing Mm -hmm. uh, to say, hey, we're going to give you Call of Duty for three more years. And that's plenty of time to build your own, you know, if that's a thing that you wanted to do. Because it could be zero. Yeah, it could be zero. And, And that was the part that just felt so strange for him to call it inadequate. And the hypocritical element, I'll, I'll jump in with uh, Xbox Mike quest, Mike's question. He says, uh, after Jim has come out and spoken about this and said that three years three years after the already agreed upon contract, if Activision Blizzard goes through, regardless of the fact, uh, Phil could say, well, we offered you three years and you threw it in our faces. The mm-hmm. offer no longer stands. Right. Would Phil do that? I don't think that'd be a good move uh, on Xbox's side financially or, or even, you know, agreed in terms of you know, visibility and optics. But like, I think about all the decisions that PlayStation has made regarding exclusivity with content, you know, paying for exclusive content in the call of duty space in the last generation, 30 days uh, of exclusivity content, similar to how Xbox did in the 360 era. I think about characters they've locked out from other consoles, uh, Spider-Man on uh, PlayStation and not in, in Avengers, but not on mm-hmm. Xbox and PC. I think about Street Fighter, which was kept entirely from Xbox during the Xbox One generation. Final Fantasy still nowhere to be found on Xbox right now. Uh, just a lot of very strange exclusive based decisions that are not great for gamers overall. It does feel hypocritical to see Jim Ryan upset about this, but not the other stuff that they're doing. I mean, Deathloop, we can't even talk about Deathloop until it comes out. Like nobody's allowed to say a thing. Right. Very strange. Yeah, it, it's the whole, you know, it's it, it gives me flashbacks to the rise of the Tomb Raider type of stuff. And what I came away from that, because I, I remember just getting right into the middle of all those ridiculous conversations and arguments and whatnot. And it's just like, there is no equal. There, that's, that's basically what I came away with with that conversation is that there's no way to establish like this is these are the rules. This is what people consider consider fair because there's always an exception here or a special case there that makes it OK for one and not the other or, the, or vice versa. So it's like to even try to find why this is allowed or not allowed or what's adequate or inadequate. It, like it's actually it's baseless and it it actually it, it doesn't really matter. So. I don't know. Again, I don't know how much these public facing conversations impact the approval by whatever regulatory bodies have to approve this thing. But um, in the end, the players who pay attention to this just get the sense that um, Xbox is in a really powerful position. And Mm -hmm. I don't I, I would have loved to see PlayStation like weather this storm just as a you know, as somebody who for anybody who doesn't listen to me, like I also have a PS5 and I had a a large number of PS4s as well. Like I, mm-hmm. I play all the consoles 
Um, and I, I love what PlayStation means to this, to, to gaming. And I would just, like I said, I would love to have them come through this a little bit more steady, a little bit more confident and not have to deal with this, with this nastiness and pettiness. Cause it's probably going to happen. I wonder if there's any sort of indication does maybe I'll ask you the question, like, does this indicate that there is a, a chance that this deal doesn't go through? And maybe that's a whole other hour conversation of what that would mean for the future of the industry, for all the other mergers and acquisitions that are happening. Like what are the precedents that would uh, indicate that this one doesn't go through, but there's others that are going through. There's a lot there, man. I think there's certainly a chance that it doesn't go through. You I think? Mean, yeah, I mean, sure. I don't think it's likely, but uh, sure. And I, okay. say, I say as a very armchair analyst who knows absolutely nothing. Same. Xbox doesn't spend this money make on the legal proceedings, make the announcement, go kind of handshake agreement on a few things. Mm-hmm. If they don't, if they haven't done the research to know it's going to go through. Agreed. Right? Yeah. So that's that's my logic in that. It's not that I know anything or have any inside approach or, yeah. or insight to it. It just seems like, well, this trillion dollar company, they wouldn't make the move if they didn't think they could make the move. Agree. Um, and again, yeah, like I think actually Phil even said, and I almost think that every podcast could start with this quote where he, Phil recently Phil recently said in the interview in an interview um somebody was asking him about how he feels the proceedings are going and he's like I've never done a 70 billion dollar deal like I think positive but like this is my first and I and I thought none of us have done a 70 billion dollar deal like none of us know what's happening and if and if the guy spearheading the deal can be that vulnerable and transparent to say I've never done what I've never done this before then maybe that's something that can at least like we can we can check our bases a little bit when we talk about it. True. I, I think you're absolutely right. And you make a good point. And, uh, you know, where, whenever it happens, J- June 2023, I think, is the agreed upon date amongst those that are in the know. Um, I don't mean that I'm agreeing on it. I'm saying I'm listening to what people who are more knowledgeable about it are saying. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they're they're all in favor of, of June 2023 being the time. I'll be really interested to see where Xbox is at that point. We'll have had Starfield and Redfall. We'll, in theory, be willing be starting to see a cadence of Game Pass that we're expecting to be well beyond the Gears, Sea of Thieves, Forza approach. Yeah. Um, so the known quantities will be done, and we'll be exiting any of the deals that PlayStation had on, like Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop. Yeah. Be so it'll be time to see Xbox truly shine in 2023. But I certainly said that in 2020 about 2021 <laughs> and 2021 about 2022. Yeah. And, and I think it leads us to our next conversation. And that has to do with Halo Infinite and the state of Halo Infinite and what seems to be going on with a flagship franchise that, that Matt Booty and his group are looking up. We got news this past few weeks, uh, Sean, that season three is not going to start on time for Halo Infinite. And it's going to be starting not in November. Instead, it'll be March 7th, 2023, before we see the end of season two for Halo Infinite. That'll be a 10-month season. And it's very odd to me because what they're having in its stead is a short, free winter update that's going to take the place of season three's battle pass. It'll have its own battle pass. It'll have anything that was missing out of the Heroes of Reach stuff. It'll come alongside Forge. It'll come alongside new uh, mission replay features, two new maps, uh, match XP beta. And it just seems to me like, yo, why didn't you just call that season three? Mm-hmm. Let it be short. <laughs> and then you've got a season four uh, on the horizon and people are all ecstatic. 
I'm really confused with what's going on with Halo, man. Split screen multiplayer is canceled. I don't care at all about that, but I'm sh- some people seem to. Uh, I ran a poll on Twitter and uh, out of a couple hundred, I think it was a couple hundred people. I'm not 100% sure. I was in that that COVID fog at that point. But, um, you know, about 40% seemed like they cared about split screen. I was surprised by that. But, I mean, it's just Halo Infinite, man. It's, it's struggling and such a good game. It's such a good game. It's such a shame. It's um. There's so much again to unpack with this one here as well. As far as like, should they say anything at all? Is it doing them any good, or is it more harm? Like, what does that even mean? Um, I think the the poll is an interesting one as far as the split screen thing goes, and I think it's less about who is um particularly impacted or personally impacted by this, and more of just like what it actually signifies or means. Um, and I, I, you know, the fact that Halo five didn't have one was a numbers based, a data based decision that hits mm-hmm. people in the feels. And I think this is very similar to that. Like they made that decision for Halo five and I'm sure numbers wise, they were right. It's the right decision, but it's the, it's what it, like I said, it's what it signifies. It's what it takes away is what it doesn't respect the, the history of the game. And somehow that seems to matter. It cha- like perception is reality in a lot of these cases. And, th- and in this case, it just adds to the perception that it's just a gong show. What is happening? And promises that were made, like this is definitely coming. I think for in the worst case scenario is who bought the game thinking that that was coming or bought it or bought into the Xbox ecosystem because like, wow, they're really getting things turned around. They, they realized they made a mistake with things as simple as um a split screen with halo 5 and now they're now they're fixing that with with infinite like they're really working on things and now it's not the case so there's i don't there's some maybe some mistrust that is more what the story is about than who actually plays split screen if you know what i mean i think you're dead on it is about trust and it's about the failed promises that that haven't gone through i mean lord knows the state of the game when when Joseph Satan came on had to have been just absolutely a disaster. Now the fact that the game came out and was so playable and so much fun is is just wildly impressive in so many ways. But you have to wonder what's happening at, at Microsoft mm-hmm. and their leadership teams that it, they were allowed to get to that state, right? It certainly seems like things are going in the right direction, but too slowly. Is it a matter of resources? Because 343 should be the most funded project with the most people and the, the, the best talent on hand to, to steward a flagship franchise and the consistent messaging about not wanting culture crunch, crunch what is it? Say, say crunch it culture. Me? You got it. Thank you so much. There we go. Easy. Crunch culture. I appreciate, I respect it, I support it. And if you can't do the things that we're asking without crunch, then you need to expand the team. And and you have the monies to do that. And so it's very frustrating to me to watch Halo, the flagship franchise of Microsoft, the franchise that I adore so much, mm-hmm. not be given seemingly the premium treatment that it deserves. They've had a ro- they had a rotating list of leaders exit the project for so long. And I just want to I just want to know why not call this season 3 and let yeah. it be small and then season and then you avoid the problems that come from that cuz now we're getting a 10 month season 2 why not just switch the naming conventions? Cause you're giving content. There's a small battle pass forge is going to be a huge update. Uh, there's campaign campaign replay features coming in. Like that's awesome. Why not just call that season three and the next season four? It's just little stuff, man. And 
when you couple the the problems that Halo Infinite has gone through next to the lack of first party games that have come out in 2022 and 2021 uh, beyond Forza and Halo, it, it really makes me question the leadership at Microsoft and their decision making. And I like those people like on the outside, right on the periphery. I see. I really like Matt Booty. He seems like a cool dude. But the job doesn't seem like it's getting done on the outside looking in. And I feel so armchair armchair analyst douchey on that front. Yeah, totally. But also, but also there's proven pudding. You know, mm-hmm. like, like what else are you can, supposed to say? Yeah, you can point? look at the releases on paper and think like, yo, where's this? Where's this? Where's this? Where's this? And compare it to the opposition, Nintendo's first party releases, Sony's first party releases. And it's a very strange feeling on that front. Mm-hmm. You just wonder, like... I have to. I can't, I'm so sorry to bring it up, but it, it kind of reminds me of Anthem. You I know love this. Anthem. This I huge, love Anthem. of course. Well, obviously, great, great game. Um, hugely ambitious, talented team. You know, they got the A team, they got the A Bioware team, they got the backing of EA, but still something slipped. And it's, I, I guess this is my way of dancing around the, you know, casting whatever shame upon the leadership team it's like what is happening i'm just curious mm. not like a not from a competency standpoint but like what are they, what are they being um held accountable to or what is limiting them again you mentioned there's mm-hmm. no it can't be a resources thing it can't be a team thing it can't be like what what is it what is the what is the thing that none of us are seeing that is causing these these hiccups like and and maybe it's just as simple as the game was in multiple iterations prior to being released. And, you know, maybe the, it wasn't necessarily about like what shape it was in, but just what stage in development it was in, which was to say that it was likely very early and needed a lot of, of work early on. Or maybe the pre-production phases were a little bit rushed. Maybe it's the engine. Like who knows how mm-hmm. this engine is actually um, scaling for them as far as the things that they want to implement. But what I would love to see is just a little like they're barely keeping their heads above water. And again, it's a maybe an armchair quarterback kind of kind of comment to say, but you'd want to see Halo like reaching for the stars. Pardon the pun. You want to see it like leading the pack, but it's it's barely staying alive. Like I want to see something new out of this and to show what the future of video games is like. That's a that's a far cry from where it is now. And I don't know if it's unreasonable to call and ask for that because it because it is halo right so it's they're just trying to fill seasons at this point but why am i not obsessed with halo at this point and it's a it's a multifactorial answer but that i i love halo i want it to be great and i'm frustrated that it's not is kind of the simplest way i can wrap that a little bit yep nope i'm i'm right there with you and Here's hoping we get some sort of raising Kratos style documentary. I'm thinking the same thing. Find out we we need. I think it's we as fans deserve to know. And Xbox has done a very good job. I'll point to the Xbox on documentary. So citing its failures, you know, like they seem to own their failures, uh, or at least this current iteration of Xbox does. And specifically when it comes to Halo, Joseph Staten has been very candid. Like we know our players expect more content and we've not delivered that. Hey, we know that this isn't where we're at. Um, but do you think, I guess my point is like, I, it's not even just of a quantity of content is that's not necessarily my disappointment. It's like the, like the, what is the content? Like, it's not like if they were, if they had more seasons, that's one thing. If they had more like battle passes to fill up, like that's, that's one thing, but that's not necessarily for me or what I'm really looking for as far as the potential for, for Halo, like other, other games do that. 
Like, show me something else. Like, what does this ongoing expansion model look like? Like, I don't have to look any further than Destiny. Destiny's great. It's probably overly complicated in a different gameplay because of the whole, like, MMO kind of elements to it. It's not really what I want from Halo, but I'm not looking for more seasons per year. Like, my my ambitions for Halo is greater than that, if that's fair to say. I think that's a fair point to, to make. Can't argue that in the slightest. I hope that we do see that game evolve more than just a battle pass or more right. than just features that it perhaps should have launched with or or whatnot. And I've heard a lot of people say something like, you know, Halo Infinite should have been delayed so that it could launch in a better state. I don't I don't subscribe to that logic because the game was great. Like it, it is really fun to play. Um, I would have expected a faster uptick of features coming to the game and content in general. I just right. I was expecting more. Well, you you don't have to look any further than Gears 5 as far as like they launched and they had, um, I can't, do they call it seasons or operations? Mm-hmm. Um, operations. You know, they have that and that, that's rolling out and it, I don't think that there was really any issues with that, but that's not for me. Like, I, that's what I mean when I say like, that's if they, if they nail it to what they're saying and it looks like Gears, like that's not actually what I want. And that would, to me personally, that would be a little bit disappointing. I kind of want something bigger and more ambitious than even that and i i think halo can represent that it can't call for that can call for the resources and the the creativity and the minds to do that but maybe that maybe my maybe my uh my needs and expectations for halo are way out of whack but i didn't i said right from the beginning i didn't want a carbon copy of the uh game as a service games of service model that they deployed with gears 5 i don't want that for halo so i'm still looking for like the next the next iteration, Halo Infinite 2.0, if you will. Sure. I'm looking for uh, Halo to be stewarded in a guided direction that that seems clear, where I can see where they're going. Sure, yeah. Um, as, a, as a diehard DC fan, it's it's destroying me to watch what's happening with WB and the confusion mm-hmm. around the DC universe. And you've got this incredible, the Batman, you've got a really well, well ver- good version of, of Justice League, and you've got Henry Cavill sitting there. It's like, do I make a movie or not? What are we going to do with this actor? Right. It's just so confusing, and it feels like when you look at the Halo show, when you look at Halo Infinite, when you look at yeah. uh, the, the Halo as a franchise, it's very confusing to know how to feel. Yeah. And and that sucks. That kind of stinks, you know? Mm-hmm. Remember that podcast, oh. Hunt the Truth? Oh, like that. wow. That was good. That That was was good stuff. That's when they nailed it. It was good stuff. I liked it as well. All right, man. Well, I think it's been a fantastic episode having you on, and I am so grateful that you got to join me. Would you be so kind as to share with the people your socials and let them know where they can find you uh, and anything else you got in the pipeworks? Well, thanks for having me on, dude. It's uh, I apologize. It's after the largest episode you probably have ever had with with Seamus, but uh, it's good to hang out with you, man. Um, I feel like even when when you're ill and under the weather, um, and me at my absolute best, I can still barely I can barely keep up with you, man. You're you're a master of your craft, and it's awesome to be on the show. Um, people can find me on Twitter at Sean Capri, of course, it's Sean like Connery Capri like the pants. Uh, we do the Xbox drive every single week on podcast services, uh, very similar to probably what you're listening to right now. And at YouTube, at youtube.com slash carpool gaming alongside a, a bajillion other console platform specific podcasts and, and other content that we create over there. Do take a moment, guys. If you, if you're unfamiliar with carpool gaming, they do some of the coolest, most fun shows. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty neat 
little empire you created for yourself, man. I'm really proud of you. Thanks, dude. We have a we have a good time. It's it's probably some of the most fun that we have during the week. Not even probably, definitely the most fun we have during the week. So I appreciate you. let me uh tell people about it. And yeah, it's a it's a welcoming place. So there very you cool. go. There you go. Guys, you can find me on Twitter at Insipid Ghost. And of course, you can find this show on all your podcast services, including YouTube, youtube.com slash Xbox Expansion Pass. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care.